I would love to tell you that on the road to success, everything is going to work out. It's not. It's going to be a dog fight. On the road to success, I lost five aunts to cancer. It's a dog fight. My wife, three years ago, seven legions found her brain. It's a dog fight. It hasn't been easy. It's a dog fight. It hasn't been, the road hasn't been success. Like, it's just a paved road and like each he go this way. It's been rough. It's been crooked. It's been hard. But I've made up in my mind that I will get a reward for the pain that I go through. I will not stop in the middle of the process. I will not be defeated. I will not be destroyed. I will take everything that happens in my life and I will allow the pain to push me to greatness. You will not break me. You will not stop me. You will not defeat me. The only way I lose is if I quit. It's going to be a dog fight. And so if you're ready to quit, then don't get started. If you're ready to quit, don't get started. If you're looking for this easy path, don't get started. If you think they're not going to close the door on you and say no a million times, don't get started. But every time they close the door, I just get excited. Why? Because I am not a no. I'm one yes away. You can't keep telling me no forever. You can't keep denying me forever. This type of energy, this type of passion, you can't stop it. You can contain it for a while, but you cannot stop. This is life, and you can't defeat me. You don't have enough power. You don't have enough energy. You don't have enough strength to stop this. Your pain ain't permanent. It might last for a second. It might last for a minute. It might last for an hour. It might last for a week. It might last for a day. It might last for months. But sooner or later, if you do not surrender, if you do not give up, if you do not give in, it will subside. Listen to me. You can talk like a victim. You can act like a victim. Or you can be a victor. And you can say, despite the odds, I will defy the odds. You gonna work through this. You gonna get up. You gonna get dressed. You gonna get out. And you gonna do what you've been called to do. You gonna be what you called me. And you gonna prove that everybody that tried to break you, everybody that tried to kill your dream, you gonna prove all of them wrong. What will you do with your pain? Will you let it break you, or will you let it redefine you? You've got to continue to work on yourself personally. You've got to decide to be relentless. You've got to decide never to give up. You've got to find some reasons within yourself that will give you the stamina when life catches you on the blind side to get back up again, to keep on calling and coming back again and again and again. You're going to quit or you're going to make it to your goal. You're going to quit or you're going to make it to yourself. You're going to quit or you're going to stand there and do what you got to do to make your dreams become a reality. You have to be disciplined every single day and train yourself to follow through on all your fundamentals and that's how you're going to be successful. You have to do it when you don't feel like it. You have to do it when you feel discouraged. You have to do it when you don't feel healthy. You have to do it when you're under the weather. Every single day, you have to train yourself to focus and commit to your business and follow through. CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Facet Wealth. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Israel is coping with catastrophe. At least 45 people have been killed, 150 others injured, during a stampede at the first ultra-Orthodox religious festival since the country relaxed COVID restrictions. This rabbi says there was confusion over how to get out. We're all heartbroken today. Instead of being happy and rejoicing, people are walking around with their nose down. Correspondent.
Elizabeth Palmer is at the foreign desk. 18-year-old Shmuel saw it all. People started to get squashed, he said, and when the police didn't open up the passageway, the walls crashed and dozens were trampled to death. Apart from those who died, at least 150 people were injured, some critically. COVID cases and hospitalizations are rising in Oregon. About 40% of COVID patients in one hospital ICU over the past two months have been under the age of 50. Dr. Christine Stock blames vaccine hesitancy. These are 40 and 50 year olds who are relatively young patients to be hospitalized with no underlying medical conditions sometimes and they're fighting for their lives. President Biden is hopeful about vaccine hesitancy among U.S. Marines. He tells NBC's Today Show. I think you're going to see more and more of them getting it and I think it's going to be a tough call as to whether or not they should be required to have to get it in the military. A recent poll found 40% of Marines say they won't get vaccinated. The Florida legislature has passed new voting rules over the objections of black lawmakers. Republicans say it's about election security. What we're trying to do is make sure that we preserve our sacred duty and right of having every vote count. Democrats say hardly. Why would we, as a state, attempt to reduce the right of a person to exercise their right to vote. The law puts new restrictions on the number and locations of ballot drop-off boxes and absentee ballot requests. Peter King, CBS News, Orlando. Apple, EU, here's the chief. Our preliminary conclusion is that Apple abused its dominant position for the distribution of music streaming apps through its app store and distorted competition in the music streaming markets. Parents have lots in store for their kids this summer. CBS's Diane King-Hall has results of a new poll. Seven in ten parents are concocting plans to reclaim the season this year. Topping the family calendar are beach days and barbecues, followed by camping trips and pool days. The Dow is down 214 points, S&P off 25. This is CBS News. The following program is an anchor production, now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you get your podcast. And with that being said, the Ace Valone Show starts right now. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it is December 22nd, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. I'm uh, back trying to trying this podcasting again. Um, I appreciate anybody who's uh, turning it, tuning in this morning. Um, last week I talked about um, the disarmament strategy by the government, you know, by way of felon ban and mental health issues. Um, this week I'm going to have a little bit more fun. I'm going to talk about some time travel. Time travel is it's such a such a fascinating subject. Um, why the possibilities are endless when you start doing some thought experiments on that subject. Got a lot of stuff to go over, so um, let's just uh, let's just get right into it. I uh, I'd like to start with the science behind it, the the physics. Um, a lot of what we understand about the possibility of time travel kind of bases itself upon uh, Albert Einstein's theories, his general relativity series. Special relativity, um, and Albert Einstein believed that time travel, under his theories, are are technically possible. 
Uh, the, 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 the scientific community at large is, is still kind of split on the issue. Um, but under, under uh, Einstein's proposals, uh, he believed that time itself is not a constant. It's a relative. It's relative. Um, and particularly, it can speed up or slow down um, for different observers, depending on how, how fast you're traveling through space. Um, so he refers to time as the fourth dimension. Most people believe we, we live in a third dimension world. But um, he believed that the closer that you travel to the speed of light, the slower uh, time passes for the traveler. And, and of course, if you exceed the speed of light, you could conceivably go backwards. Um, there, there, I mean, is that possible? I mean, we don't know. I mean, you know, Einstein was a theoretical physicist. He's a brilliant mind, obviously. Um, I, I mean... What a, what a fascinating idea to just ponder, though. You know, he, he, uh, he believed that the, the force of gravity can, can bend or warp, you know, time space, which would make, uh, uh, you know, time travel possible. Now, how would that have to happen? You know, whether it be by some machine or, you know, some other method. I mean, we don't know yet. I think that the government, the military, maybe some... Uh, you know, uh, fantastically rich societies, you know, are probably working on the idea. Maybe they've achieved it. We don't know yet. Um, uh, both Einstein and uh, Nikola Tesla were both working on the same ideas. Um, and they actually co uh, collaborated on a, um, an experiment. I mean, it's almost a conspiracy thing, but it was called the Philadelphia Experiment in uh, 1943. This is shortly before uh, Tesla died. Um, where they uh, they got together and they, and they put on these huge magnetic coils on a, um, a U.S. Navy destroyer called the USS Eldridge. And, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of this information was released by a guy named Carlos Allende, I know from a deathbed confessional, if you will. And he was one of the people who was on board this Eldridge when they were doing the Philadelphia experiment, um, he said that Einstein was essentially taking advantage of the military. The military wanted Einstein to help him um, create a cloaking device and also degaussing uh, methods for their ships so they could repel uh, the mines in the oceans. But Einstein had bigger um, bigger plans and he kind of pulled an okie doke on the Navy and he was going for uh, teleportation and, and things like that. So he got together with Tesla and Tesla, um, he invented something called the zero time generator, which like I said, according to this Carlos Allende guy, um, actually caused the, the USS Eldridge to disappear. Um, from Philadelphia for several hours and it rematerialized in Norfolk, Virginia, you know, many hours later. And there's some horrific stories and, and we, you know, like I said, we don't know if it's true or not. Horrific stories about the rematerialization, like, um, you know, the molecular structure of the people in the ship kind of got entangled. And so when it re rematerialized, 
some of the crewmen were like embedded into the metal of the ship and just crazy shit like that. Is that true? I mean, we don't know. I mean, I do know that after this interview with Carlos Allende, the government was quick to uh, to discredit him, um, which you would expect if there was any grain of truth to that. Um, so, I mean, did the, the Philadelphia experiment actually happen? I mean, shoot, maybe, you know, we'd, we don't know for sure. Maybe someday some documents will be declassified. And But according to that guy, I mean, he, he's convinced that it did happen. And they repeated the experiment many, many times. So um, he, he said that the, uh, the government actually had the capability of, of traversing space at four and a half times the speed of light. And again, you know, common folks like me, I don't know, maybe. It's fascinating to think about. Around the same time period, uh, World, War II, World War II era we're talking about, um, the Nazis under Hitler were experimenting with methods of, of time travel, teleportation, that type of thing. They have, a, they have a, um, an invention that can't really be corroborated, I suppose. It's called Der Glock, which is German for the bell. Supposedly, it was, a, it was like a 12-foot-tall <clears throat> bell-shaped device that was filled with these opposite-spinning centrifuges filled with red mercury because red mercury has anti-gravity properties if you spin it fast enough. And it was speculated that this was supposed to be some sort of time capsule or, or, or time, time machine, if you will. Um, perhaps Hitler escaped, you know, and got transported somewhere else. And an interesting connected story to that is that there was a bell-shaped device that fit the description of this Der Glock that actually fell out of the sky in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania in December, December 9, 1965. It landed in the brush in the woods somewhere, and uh, of course the government officials immediately showed up, quarantined off the area, uh, you know, nobody was allowed to talk about it you know blah 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 so again conspiracy maybe did it happen i don't know but again you know was that was that hitler's escape pod and he, he you know traversed you know 20 something years in the future landed in pennsylvania bah. who knows uh, you know i mean this the whole idea of time travel it's complicated but it boggles the mind but it's so fascinating at the same time um, kind of have to consider, I mean, exactly how time, uh, how time itself is constructed. Uh, there's basically two schools of thought as far as the, the construct of time. You know, there's, there's what's called the linear construction of time, and then there's also uh, what they call a potential construct of time. The linear progression of time... I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. We, we, we travel through time in a past to present to future direction. And in, in this, this school of thought, the future is uh, it's predetermined. It's already happened. It's already laid out. Um, pre, yeah, predetermined, I suppose. And in the potential uh, school of thought, uh, our future hasn't happened yet. It's dependent on our course of actions, our decisions, our choices that we make in the present. So, if you were to kind of look at a look at it on a on a schematic, it, the future would look like a, you know, the the 
the business end of a yard rake or something with all these different directions, you know, or a tree branch or something like that. So, you know, time travel, the possibility of time travel, I mean, which, which school of thought would it have to take if it were to be a possibility? I mean, would it, you know, I got into a discussion with a friend of mine, this is uh, some years ago, but he, uh, he believed that if time travel was possible, um, the time traveler could only go into the past. Um, and, and the reason being was that, you know, the time traveler's own era of the future simply hasn't happened yet. So there's no destination. You know, there's nowhere to go. You know, so an extension of his viewpoint would necessarily be that because the future hasn't happened yet, we shouldn't be able to receive visitors from the future either. Right? There's no one there yet to come visit us, in, you know, in our time. But if time travel to the past is possible, I mean, according to this debate I had, you know, aren't the folks in the past time period receiving visits from a future which, for them, hasn't happened yet? I mean, I, I think he, I don't think he meant to, but I think he stumbled upon a, a kind of a paradox of time travel. Because no matter which time period that you are in, if if the future hasn't happened yet, therefore you cannot receive a visitor from the future. I mean, it shouldn't matter. Because if we go backwards in time from 2019, we're almost in 2020 now. If we go back to, you know, say 1943, I mean, that shouldn't be possible because to the person in 1943, you have um, there is... There is no future for him yet. So that shouldn't be possible. So either forward or backward time jumps should not be possible under my friend's argument. You know, and essentially what he is, what he was kind of clinging to, and he didn't say it, but what he's clinging to is the, uh, the future um, potential school of thought. Um, now, if in fact our construct of time is actually linear and you know we're, we're floating along in this bubble which is the present towards a future that already is laid out is already existent we just haven't got to it yet I mean that calls into question other ideas like free will you know destiny or fate I mean does it really matter which direction we choose I mean, if the future is already laid out for us, you know, is that really the way it is? I mean, I, I don't know. This is all just, it's all just theory. So, you know, the science behind it, I, I mean, I could say, I mean, just from a layman's point of view, my point of view, for example, I don't know. I mean, I, I read about it. I, it's a fascinating subject. I'm not a physicist. I'm not a mathematician. I don't understand the, com the complexity of that stuff. I'm just, I'm just fascinated by the idea. If it is possible, if it is possible, how would it work? Right? You got a lot of different, uh, what they call paradoxes of time travel, like the grandfather paradox. A lot of people are familiar with that. Um, essentially, saying if you could go back in time and you know, 
murder your own grandfather before he conceived your father, you would essentially erase your own existence. Which would not be possible, because if you did that, then there would be nobody to come back in time to kill the grandfather in the first place. It's a paradox. It's, it's an oddball thing. Um, there's another, like a competing theory, that's, it's called compossibility, which basically says that the past is, uh, it's already happened, it's set in stone, that it's not possible for it to happen in any other way. A time traveler to the past would not be able to alter anything. He'd only be, uh, you know, like a like a like a passive observer. Which to me that would be cool. And if he could do that, just observe some cruel historical events and things like that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the idea of time travel is is very popular. I mean, it's been around for a long time. It's nothing. I mean, it didn't just it didn't just get born with Einstein's theories. I mean, it's been around for many, many years. Um, but we got, I mean, if you think about it, since it's the holiday season, this is an interesting one. 1843, uh, Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. You know, the Ebenezer Scrooge, Ghost of Christmas Pass, all that. I mean, that's essentially a time travel story. Um, the earliest I could find, at least in popular literature, the concept of a time machine uh, was actually popularized by H.G. Wells in 1895 and his, you know, wrote a book called The Time Machine, which has been adapted and readapted many times over the years. Um, you could look to, you know, movies, TV, um, Rip Van Winkle, I guess you could call a time travel story. We got movies like The Butterfly Effect, you know, Groundhog Day, of course, the Back to the Future series, um, what else, uh, like Star Trek, the original Star Trek is even dealt with time travel, um, I'm dating myself here, but a show called, uh, Quantum Leap, if anybody remembers that, <laughs> Scott Bakula, that was an interesting one, uh, so, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's been in the American psyche for a long time, the possibilities, you know, what, what could happen here, what could happen there. You know, I mean, who who hasn't thought of, you know, the old adage, you know, if I could go back then knowing what I, knowing then what I know now. You know, I wonder who, who has not pondered the possibility, who hasn't tried to identify, uh, you know, uh, some sort of crossroads in their life that they would, they would go back to and they would change something. They would take a, take a different direction, you know, uh. You know, have a have a do over at some point in their life. So, like for example, what would you do if you only had one shot at it? If somebody said, "Hey, guy, you can go back in time one time, one point in your life," you know, what would you do? Where would you? How far back would you go? But I mean, what would you change in your own life if you could? You know, I mean, I've heard people say. Well, shit, I'd 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 go get some lottery numbers and I'd take some lottery numbers back with me, or I'd I'd go uh, you know pick some Microsoft stock and you know I'd be rich and you know just you know different types of things like that. Um, I've thought about it over the years and and I I think I've identified where the crossroads that I would choose and. It's specifically, it's in November of 1990. I was about 18 years old. 
And I, it was a phone call that I received that I, I mean, I'd wish I could, I wish I could do that one over because I think that is, that is the crossroads in my life where I, uh, I had a chance to become a man right there and I didn't, I, I chose to become a coward. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's emotional for me. I mean, even thinking about it today, but it has to do with my, uh, my oldest daughter's mom when she and I were together, we were very young, but, um, she went away to, uh, Florida to go to college and she called me on the phone. I was back up here in Washington and, uh, told me she was pregnant my immediate reaction was I thought she had cheated on me and blah, blah, blah. We ended up splitting up. <clears throat> and I got together with um, the mother of my two younger kids, which was a horrible relationship. Never should have happened, you know, that whole trip. I mean, it was bad for both of us. I don't, I mean, I don't hate her, but we don't speak nowadays. I still talk to my kids, of course, but... Um, it just, I mean, things kind of spiraled downward for me from that phone call on. Things just went really bad for a lot of years. And so if I had a crossroads to go back to, it would be that phone call in November of 90. Um, but I have I've kind of reconsidered the position. I mean, I've, been, I've identified the crossroads for myself. But I, on, on further reflection, I just don't think that I could pull the trigger. And the reason is kind of twofold. Because um, if, you, if you could go back in time, knowing then what you know now, I mean, that, that knowledge is kind of requisite, isn't it? I mean, otherwise, I mean, if you don't have that knowledge, you would just repeat the same decisions and make the same choices as you did before. Um, so the first reason I think that I don't think that I would pull the trigger on it is that I uh, I like who I am today. I mean, I'm I like my life. I've turned out pretty well. You know, I, I uh, gone through some crap in my life. I mean, I've had some good. I've had some bad. I've had some ugly. But everything that's ever happened to me in my life is is has helped shape who I have become. I mean, I, I got a pretty good life where I live right now. I got the beautiful fiance. I mean, good job. I live in a great area. I mean, I'm I'm okay. You know, I'm happy. So there's really no reason to go back and change anything because I understand that everything that I've ever went through, you know, kind of helped mold me into where I am now, and I'm I'm good. I'm okay with that. Um, the second reason is probably a little more philosophical, more profound even, is if I went back to that phone call and I, and I, and I was a man at that time and I, and I did what I was supposed to do in doing so, because I would have present day knowledge going back with me, I would be consciously choosing to deny my other kids existence. Because today, I mean, uh, obviously, I already know who they are, what they've become, what they're like, what, you know. 
my memories of being a father and watching him grow up, I would have to choose to not allow that to happen if I were to go back in time. And I just don't know that I could do that. I mean, that's, that's kind of akin to like playing God. And I just don't think that that's my choice. You know what I mean? So that's one of the things we have to think about. If you were to go back in time, for whatever the reason, is that you're, you know, you might want to go back to try to reverse a decision or, you know, choose girl B over girl A or whatever. But you also have to take into consideration the other lives around you that you will be affecting. So it won't just be making, you know, a better you in your own opinion. You have a lot of other people that are attached to you in your life. That would definitely be affected. Even if you were just to go back and, and uh, you know, win the lottery, let's say. So you took some, uh, you know, Powerball numbers back, and all of a sudden you got $350 million in your back pocket. You don't think that's going to change you and therefore change your future timeline? Of course it is. You're going to do a lot of things differently. You're going to travel to a lot of different places, live a different lifestyle, have a completely different circle of friends. So how can that not have an effect? So that's going to skew your future into something completely different than what it was when you made the time jump. I mean, that's just that's just the way it works. Um, so time travel, what a, what a bizarre concept, right? I mean, is it, let's see, I got some notes here. I got to try to find them. Where are they? I thought I was a little better organized, but <laughs> sorry for the pause. Sorry for the pause. All right, I'll just I'll just start. I have an article that I wrote a long time ago, but I'll just kind of read a little bit of it, and it's it's. All right, you know, it just says, I suppose one of the things that makes time travel um, thoughts so fun is the is the unknown aspect of it. And as far as I'm aware, um, humans have not achieved time travel or the manipulation of time-space. Um, I think it's important to consider the ethics and the consequences, like I was just talking about, uh, I'm achieving this type of scientific breakthrough. After all, just because we might be able to do something that has the potential for altering history, does that mean we should? All right. And it can't. It makes me curious to know if time is is linear, like I was talking about, where all the things that we experience continue to roll by in a you know past to present to future direction, with everything being predetermined. You know that is until the invention of a time machine. So the, does the invention of, or will the invention of a time machine signal a departure from the linear nature of time to the potential nature of time, whereby the past and the future are changeable and therefore not technically knowable? So it turns into the potential thing I was talking about. You know, is that how it works? You know, the construct of time itself depends on our ability or our inability um, to manipulate it. In other words, is time linear? And our future currently predetermined only because we are chained to the here and now. And strangely, a linear progression of time seems to be what would make time travel, at least to the future, 
even possible because there is a destination. It's predetermined. But if the invention of the time machine essentially unchains us from the present and thereby creates a future with infinite possibilities rather than a single predetermined one, then how exactly would time travel to the future be possible? I mean, how, which timeline would you go to if you could? You know, is, is time travel only theoretically possible because a time machine doesn't yet exist? I mean, that's, that's some bizarre stuff. Um, there's, I mean, boy, there's some weird theories out there as well. Um, there, there, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a show called Ancient Aliens. It was a pretty popular show on History Channel for a while. Um, they, yeah, the ancient astronaut theory is kind of what they, what they put forth on the show. And it's a, it's an idea that, uh. The gods that we worship throughout our history are actually um, extraterrestrials from another world. You know, it's actually a popular theory, plausible, I suppose. But there's another theory that I've heard. I do not recall where I heard it from. It's not my theory. It's somebody else's. But um, what it essentially says is that the ancient gods and... uh, all the way up to modern day UFO sightings and, and the description of, uh, you know, the gray aliens, you know, the small skinny aliens with big almond shaped eyes and disproportionately big heads, um, are actually humans. You know, as this theory goes, the, the human race will eventually advance, uh, intellectually and technologically far enough, um, to be able to manipulate time and space. So essentially what are being seen with these UFO encounters and the greys are actually human time travelers from the future. Um, what if that shit's true? I mean, that's, I mean, are, are we actually glimpsing future human evolution with these, you know, greys? I mean, currently people think they're extraterrestrials from, a, you know, another planet, but... What, I mean, what if they're actually futuristic humans that are just exceptionally advanced? You know, more specifically, if that theory has a grain of truth to it, you know, what are what are the implications? You know, the implications are uh, pretty pretty bizarre. You know, it would mean that, for example, all of the recent technology that many people believe is uh, reverse engineered, you know, from crashed alien craft, like at the Roswell crash and that. Um, or some people even think that they're actually living alien specimens, you know, locked away at Area 51 or Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and stuff like that, <laughs> giving away technological secrets, in other words. Um but what if that is actually time travelers from the future that are basically giving us our own technology that simply hasn't been built yet? You know, what about back in the ancient times or so? Rather than gods or aliens giving knowledge, you know, to the Greeks or the Romans or the Egyptians or whoever, was it actually futuristic time traveling humans returning to the past and giving knowledge to ourselves? You know, did future humans give ancient humans the secrets to unlocking, uh, you know, mathematics, geometry, you know, building the giant stone monuments, 
the Nazca lines and all these things. If you want to go further down the rabbit hole, this is kind of bizarre. If not for, I mean, if this is true, I mean, if not for our future time-traveling humans, would the ancients have, have progressed and advanced far enough to eventually become the time travelers or the greys, you know, of the future. So, I mean, in, in a sense, are we, are we responsible for our own advancement? You know, are we our own creators? Are we actually the very gods that we worship? I mean, that's kind of blasphemous to say, I suppose, but you know, it, it's, it's said in uh, uh, Genesis one twenty six. it says, let, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. And that's an odd sentence because Christianity believes in a monotheistic God, a singular God. But yet, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. So a lot of, uh, a lot of scholars and Christians interpret this it's kind of a grammatically incorrect sentence, I suppose, um, to mean that the singular God mentioned actually refers to the Trinity, you know, the Godhead, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, which would explain the use of the pluralistic our and ourselves reference. But what if that's wrong? You know, what if the uh, ourselves refers instead to a group of time travelers? You know, whether they be doing uh, genetic experiments or giving knowledge you know could this could that could that passage actually reflect a, a future debate or a discussion about whether or not to interfere with the natural evolution of humans right in the future where time travel is not only possible but more likely is going to be commonplace you know could that could that reflect a social debate right much like today's, you know, abortion, you know, when does life begin debate, something like that. I don't know. It's a funny thing about time. You know, it makes me wonder, you know, which came first, the ancient civilizations or uh, future time travelers that created them. And it's very bizarre to think that the human race may have created itself. Is that, is that the height of arrogance, really, a blasphemy, to believe that we could be our own gods? You know, and could it also mean that we're trapped in some sort of crazy, uh, crazy, distorted time loop where our, our, our ancients actually depend upon the time travelers to come to the past to give the knowledge and technology that will ensure the advancement and the evolution of the future human race? All right, so if the future, if the future travelers never arrived, would we remain a regressed and primitive species or... Or do we eventually, given enough time, uh, turn into the future beings, unassisted? Would we naturally evolve that way? I don't know. It's, I don't know. Like I said, time travel, just a weird thing. There's something that I did actually think of. It's kind of an odd one, too. It has to do with... Uh, more. I guess you would call it more of a conspiracy-minded thing. Um, it's a little note that I wrote down a while back, and I wondered if, like, the mass shootings that go on in the country, with schools and the malls and that type of thing, I wonder if they're connected to time travel. 
And what I mean by that is, what what if time travel has been going on for some time, right? Because that remember I told you earlier that Carlos Allende guy, the Philadelphia experiment and all that, he believed that all that crap was possible from at least 1943. So if they've been working on that, you know, for 80 plus years now, I mean, where where are they at with it now? So if the powers that control the time travel, if it, if it is in fact happening, whether it be the government, the military, you know, some Bilderberg Society, Skull and Bones, Illuminati, whoever it might be, are they, are, are they using the power of time travel to rewrite history? Right? So maybe they can see into the future and identify subjects, you know, children, uh, people who would one day become the Antichrist, you know, or the next Hitler, or the new Messiah, or some political great, or some inventor of, of you know, destructive or world-saving technology, or somebody who will eventually become responsible for some horrific atrocity, right? Almost like a version of the Minority Report, except using time travel rather than psychics, I suppose. Because, I mean, I think everybody's heard of that, you know, like, if time travel is possible, how come somebody didn't go back in time and kill Hitler when he was a kid or kill his father or something like that to stop the Holocaust from ever happening? So is that, I mean, is that even a possibility now? You know, are these mass shooters being used by the people that control the time travel to stop the next Hitler from emerging I mean shoot who knows who knows you know was time travel used in the in the killing of like Osama bin Laden or something like that you know is there is there an alternate future timeline that they've observed where where he actually won and the Islamic Islamic Caliphate he was trying to establish actually won the war and forced the world into Sharia law so they had to go back in time to kill him make sure that didn't happen is that, I mean, crazy stuff to think about. It really is. But that's what makes time travel so fascinating to ponder. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Whether it actually exists and it's being utilized to, I mean, guys like you and me, we'll just never know. Probably not in my lifetime anyway. But it's just the, the thought experiments, you know, the possibilities. It's just fun to play with. It's been a fun podcast just to, just you know, just to play with some of these ideas. So, that's my spiel on time travel. I mean, I uh, appreciate everybody who is listening. And I got Jeffrey, I got Israel, Jeff Smith. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. Um, it is the holiday season, so I want to wish, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. You know, be good, be safe. I'll be back again next week, Sunday on the 29th, 9 a.m., with uh, something else to talk about. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I'll have something figured out. Until then, again, thank you everybody for listening and tuning in. I do appreciate it. Democratic lawmakers in both chambers of Congress are clamoring for a fourth round of stimulus checks to help Americans who are still struggling financially during the coronavirus pandemic. Such a move could lift more than 7 million people out of poverty, according to a recent analysis from a nonpartisan think tank. Democrats are also pushing President Biden to extend other stimulus measures, including the duration of unemployment benefits and a child tax credit payment program.
Labor market and tax experts, however, don't anticipate that there will be additional stimulus checks in the next relief package as the economy continues to recover from last year's coronavirus-induced recession and the job market improves. If you guys enjoyed that episode, do me a favor, leave me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Heavenly Stars. You think I deserve. If you have any questions, you can send them in at V-A-L-L-O-N-E-A-88 at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, just search Ace Valone. You can find me on Instagram at Ace Valone underscore between Ace and Valone, all lowercase. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Valone underscore between Ace and Valone. A is capital on Asa and the B is capital on Valone. And until next time, I will catch your asses down the road.